When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Monday. It is September 30th, 2019. I am Brent Slava filling in for Joel Elkanen here. Uh, Joel and Spencer away on a holiday, so you're stuck with uh, Dennis and Chris and I, unfortunately. I'm sure we're going to do fine for uh, Joel and Spencer. I know they're listening out there, so don't worry, guys. We got this covered. Let's take a quick look at the indices here. So looking at the S&P 500 futures, uh, up 8.5 points, 2,972.5 Moving over to crude oil, crude trading down about a percent. That's about 57 cents per barrel, 55.34 per barrel. Gold down $16 per ounce, 14.90 and a half there in gold. And why not take a look at good old Bitcoin? Uh, we have Bitcoin trading up. It looks like 45 points here. That's about a half a percent. 8,080 last trade. In Bitcoin coming off uh, the weekend here into a bit of a abbreviated holiday, uh, no time off or anything, but on uh, the holiday today, uh, celebrating Yom Kippur, we do have a lot less uh, volume. And I think I am going to bring in Dennis here. Dennis, how was your weekend? How are you doing this morning? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm having a bad hair day. So I decided to actually throw on the hat today. So I was going to put the lion's hat on. And then I was like, I can't wear the Lions hat. I mean, they blew the lead a couple times in the fourth. It was very disappointing loss. So I threw the Tigers hat on. Worst team in baseball, but we'll give them a little love here this morning. But you know what? The Lions did a pretty good showing uh, in that game. So were you watching it? I watched a little bit of it. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Just a heartbreaker, man. Yeah, it's a heartbreaker late. I mean, it's happened. So anyways, it's been – it's. A, if they would have been, if they would have won that game, they would have been for real. So now you're skeptic. The skeptics are going to be out here this morning on the Lions. But you know what? They played a pretty good game. So we were close. And you know what else is going to happen today? What's that? My buddy, uh, my buddy at Barron's Rings, uh, bought a Tesla here. He got it three days ago. He's going to take oh, me for yeah. a ride in the Tesla. Woo-hoo-hoo. Later on, uh, around lunchtime, he's swinging by, show me the Model Three performance. It goes from zero to sixty in three point two seconds. seconds. Yeah. And he says it's so quiet. So I get to go out for a ride in my first Tesla. I've been in a Tesla, never went for a ride in it, so I'm pretty excited about that. You're gonna drive it? You're gonna ask him to drive it? I don't know if he's gonna let me drive or not. He just got it three days ago. Maybe he's gonna be well the car drives itself, right? So nobody has to drive. <laughs> uh, I was uh listening to a podcast yesterday. Dan Aykroyd was the podcast guest and he I uh, was talking with Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan's like, every other car out there compared to a Tesla looks stupid. That's what he said. <laughs> you know what? The cars look unbelievable. And I think, you know, I do believe, and Jason Rasnick has offered this before, as you see more and more on the, on the road, I think the buzz is going to continue to get to go here for Tesla. It's why I still remain in the Tesla bull camp. Um, you know, I'm not long the stock, huh. but... Um, it's a stock I always want to be long. I just can't stomach the stock for whatever reason. I've had puts written on it before. I've actually, um, and I, I'm, I intend to write more puts on it again. So I've kind of been playing it from that perspective there, and it's worked out pretty well. Uh, the Jeremy Newsom style, I know he had some puts written me, with me as well. He's going to be on at 835. Yep. I'm going to listen to him and see when he's writing again, if he's getting ready to write again. But you know what? 
pretty good couple days for Tesla here. Just when the bears think they got some, you know, something going here and the stock falls 15 points in a couple of days, gets it right back. I mean, this is a stock that's very resilient. In the face of bad news, Tesla's done very well. I still believe in the story. I know they have debt issues. I know there's a lot of, you know, uh, people who out there think and believe it's going to go to zero. I am not one of them. I don't know if it's going to 500 or 1,000, but I do not think it's going to go bankrupt. I've said that before, and that's why I'm comfortable to write puts in the low 100s because I think if the stock gets low enough, and these are longer-term puts that I'm grabbing, I think if it gets low enough, Elon Musk would sell. So I do not think that this is going to uh, be a bankruptcy issue. Buy Apple in the chat is telling us there's going to be Tesla production numbers this week. I know it was up on Friday because Elon Musk was hinting about, um, I think he was saying something about 100,000 cars. Was he not? That I don't know. Uh, okay, so there was a report of an internal leaked quote, leaked uh, email where said, yeah, they they could be nearing a hundred thousand. I don't I don't think we had it. We don't ever hear any like confirmation. That's yeah, these are interesting. These internal leaks here that continue to happen at Tesla, but you know, it is what it is. It's storied stock. People love it or they hate it. There's really no in between. I'm a fan. I believe the cars are awesome. And I do believe they're going to eventually, um, you know, catch on even more. I think as more and more people see them, like I just see the people talk about them, you know, as like yeah. I said, my buddy got a Tesla and everybody's asking questions, right, right. you know, so I had to send pictures right away. So people, there's still <laughs> interest out there. It's not like, oh, uh, Tesla, I know what they're all about and I'm not interested. I mean, and we're in a big three city here too. Right. So this is, you know, GM, Ford, Chrysler, Windsor, Detroit. So, you know, there's interest even here. So, so you're saying like, you know, people around here should be talking about Ford and GM, but, but they're still talking. They should be arguing with me right away and saying, well, we got our own electric cars coming. Exactly. You will see that happen, but there's still interest. People are interested in these Tesla cars and there's not that many on the road here yet. So anyways, it's not a Tesla show, but I just wanted to mention that I'm going to go for a ride. So I'll give you the whole full <laughs> report there. I should take the Tesla for a ride to McDonald's to try the Beyond Meat Burger. That's what I should be doing, right? <laughs> ELT. That, that's, that's what we should ELT. be doing. And we get the two storied stocks, Tesla and Beyond Meat. We could get, you know, I could get, you know, right from me. I'm like Brian Sazi here and going <laughs> and actually trying out the burger, going and actually trying the car and giving you my opinion here. Beyond yep. Foot. Interviewing people outside <laughs> of McDonald's. Did you try the new 650 Beyond Meat Burger? Hey, who's this weird guy? Get him away from me. Yeah, this weird guy wearing a Tiger's hat. Does he know how bad the Tigers were this year? <laughs> and so Chris does have the uh, Tesla chart up there and bumping up. So we're at r- around 242 right now. Tesla is bumping up a little bit against uh, a few highs in the 248. I see a high from last Friday, 248.71. I see a high uh, back on September 18th, 248.17. Another one, uh, September 13th, 248.45. So uh, just keep in mind that it does appear to be bumping up against a little bit of resistance moving higher here. I mean, 250 has always been a problem for Tesla nice here. It was, if we just go back there, even 253.50. I mean, we're just taking a you know, $200 stock. You're never going to kiss well, it right uh, on the button very often. But as it gets, seems to get higher, it seems to be sellers. It's been in a range. I mean, really, you know, it's been in a range here for the last couple of months. And it's getting towards the top of that range here again. But um it's all going to matter with these production numbers so if the, obviously the numbers are weak the stock's going to get hit so it's probably going to be trading a little bit more quiet ahead of those numbers and then when we do actually get those production numbers you're going to see a yep. big move off of tesla and, i always say technicals take a back seat when you have fundamental data coming out when the fundamentals are in play technicals go away hey you learned that from me didn't you i really did <laughs> I, I used it every single day dennis and uh, I was trying to look real quick at my Benzinga Pro, but uh, I thought there was an analyst who was bullish on it into the production numbers, kind of like citing those production numbers. It wasn't Gordon Johnson, I'll tell you that, because I looked at the Gordon Johnson number. He came out. He's obviously got his new company, GLJ Research. We have Gordon Johnson on the show all the time. Um, we love Gordon because he's very opinionated. He tells it how he thinks, you know, Absolutely. he doesn't sugarcoat anything. Nope. And he came out with the sell rating on Tesla. And what was his price target? Do you have it in the Pro there? Uh, let me see. I think it was like 67 bucks or something. So I was like, hmm, that's not good for me. <laughs> yeah, it was 60, 67. Yeah, I think you're right. 67. I'm going for my memory. So, uh, pulling it the up. Brentster's looking in the pro there right now. Let's see. Yep, 67. Yeah, it comes out with 67 and price target. So, uh, who is the ball? Right. Who Who is the ball? Are you saying, or he is? Was No, who was the ball? Oh, Didn't you say uh, somebody was... So here's what I just looked in Benzing Pro. So it was a credit suite analyst. He is certainly not a bull. He's got an underperform rating. He's got a oh. 89 price target. Oh. But he's saying 
that if so the the consensus uh, estimate is for ninety six thousand right now. Yeah. That analyst saying that Tesla would have to deliver about forty six thousand vehicles in September, and they didn't seem like that was that crazy. So a bear with a little bit of leaning bullishness into those. So he thinks they might hit these numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's what it seems to be saying. And yeah. do we know? There you go. So and and the leaked email makes me think that they're going to hit a hundred thousand here too. The question is, is or that all priced in from the last couple of days now? Why do you do something? Do we know what day these numbers coming out? I By be- Apple, do you, I, I didn't write it down. I don't I know which day. It's Wednesday. Okay. That's what we're thinking is Wednesday. If we're wrong on that, somebody can tweet at me. You can correct me here if you want. I believe we believe it is Wednesday. Those numbers are coming. Chat, help us out there if you heard differently. But yeah, I believe it's. I believe they usually come out on a Tuesday or Wednesday. So we shall see. So let's move on to overall market talk here because we did get some rallies here overnight in China. If you look at the FXI, it is trading up about 1.2%. If you want to look at the EEM, it's trading up almost 1%. And Alibaba is always a good indicator of what's going on. Emerging market EEM. Yeah, EEM. And then you got Alibaba trading up 2.5% here this morning. So it's up significantly as well. Getting back about half the losses that I had from Friday. Had a really rough Friday. You saw a lot of stocks, a lot of Momo stocks. Stocks that had been actually um, you know, pretty hot rolling over again. Roku had a tough day on Friday. Netflix just kind of... Netflix actually sets up kind of interesting here. Um, still not looking very good on the chart at all but interesting because the last two candles from the last two days are virtually identical and what i mean by that you know those are always interesting setups because if they break one way or the other you kind of go with the flow so if we look at the range of netflix i'm going nflx on uh the 26th which would have been thursday the low of the day was 260.20 high of the day was 268.05 then on friday's trade High of the day, 267.44, low 260.39. So, you know, for a $260 stock, you're within 50 cents of the high and, you know, 30 cents of the low. So that's huge support now, the 260 number, and also huge resistance, 268. So what I would say is if it starts to break out over 268, then you think, okay, maybe you got some life up to 280. If it starts to break down through that 260, then you think you're going to retest that low. So you have an interesting setup there. I mean, I guess you play the range until it doesn't work, and the range has been 260 to 268. It's right in the middle of that this morning, 264. But the story here is what I'm concerned about, and that's why I've come out on this show in the last couple of months, and I was saying this up when the stock was in the 300. So I've been right so far is that I believe that Netflix is going to be under 200 within 12 months. I'm about a month after that call and it's already down at 260 i still believe the story is broken here and i think the stock is still going lower so i still lean to the short side on this on rallies that's my opinion yeah and then actually that 260 low that you referenced there, that actually took place the very last day of 2018 it was december 31st 2018 below that we're looking at lows 249.80 that was uh the 28th and then december 27 2018 was a low of 240.10 and we're sort of getting down into the 230 region. Yeah, we're starting to get back down. It's it's a broken story here right now. And, you know, competition is what the major issue here is, which we've talked about a lot on the show as well. Disney, Apple, Comcast, you know, they're pulling content off of Netflix and obviously, you know, coming up with their own streaming services. And Netflix just doesn't going to have this free-for-all here anymore going ahead and that's the concern and you know you get these nosebleed multiples where something's trading 80 or 90 times forward earnings mm-hmm. maybe even 100 times forward earnings i haven't looked at the p lately it's probably coming a little bit because the stock's price come down but and then you look and you think okay well a lot of competition coming so that's why i think the story is broken here on netflix and i still remain bearish the stock and then uh so it looks like somebody in the chat highlighting you know an interesting month month for uh netflix next month we have uh, October 16th looks like setting up for Netflix earnings. That is a very important day because obviously in the last earnings report, we saw the big gap down. So expectations are going to be lower. That's one thing, you know, working in the favor of the bulls coming up. The one thing that's going to work against them, though, is there's going to be overhead supply here now because a lot of people, you know, I even had a friend there. It's like, how can you go wrong buy Netflix at 300 or 380? It's going to go back up there. I was like, not necessarily. And I, I was trying to give the bear story. I don't know if he bought it or not, but. Um, there's people that believe, you know, that stocks and good, you know, good names, big names that everybody talks about when they pull back 10, 15%, they're always a buying opportunity. And that's not always the case. So we're seeing that now, especially in the moves in some of the moments like Roku and Shopify, which, you know, coincidentally, we've been talking about them a lot, but they've had some really rough, you know, they had a rough Friday as well. Roku tried to show life for a couple of days, stopped going down at least. 
And then on Friday, started breaking down again here. And the chart looks still broken to me. I mean, we are trying to somewhat bottom at the 96 level, which was the low back on August the 5th and August the 7th. Yeah. We, we, we came in at 98. But it, you take that out, and then you think you might go to the July low of 87. So I don't know. The stock is still feels heavy to me. I don't feel like it's done going down. Last time, and so we had Roku trading, you know, just recently, like last week, below nine, below a hundred bucks. When's the last time it traded below? A, oh, okay, here we go. Back yeah. to August. So really, when you think about it, here, Brent, we had the earnings gap and go, and then it had the ridiculous run where everybody's just piling in, and the thing went up to the hundred and seventy-six bucks, and then the story broke. Uh, obviously, I had a great swing short on there. I just, you know, I, I, my entries have always been good. We got to talk to this Jeremy Newsom guy. Maybe he can teach me to hold better because I went swing short on that at 169. Main reason was that Shopify had dropped 20 points that day. And I was like, I think this is going to be the reversal day for Roku. So I actually went short on that first big red candle that you see there that day. It was that morning. It opened up like five bucks and a lot of stocks had opened up that day. And Shopify had turned around and rolled over almost 20 points from the highs. And I was like, you know what? They're going to hit Shopify. Not that they're anything to do with each other, but these were two storied stocks that were having buyers just pile in. So similar types of investors will be in these kind of stocks. And if they start to get hurt on Shopify, they start to get hurt on a stock like Roku too. So you can see how you can pair stocks up. And this is going into, you know, relationship-based trading, which, you know, I specialize in. Yeah. But you can see how you can pair stocks up that have nothing to do with each other. All go. they have to do with each other is that these are Momo storied stocks. And when one starts uh, of those stocks starts to roll over, that's been a leader like Shopify was, it often will start to drag down the other ones too, because it's the same type of investors. They're getting hit on Shopify. They're like, well, I don't want to get hit on Roku too. I'm way up in this. I'm going to book the profits. Yeah. And we can see in two days, Roku went from 167 to 140. I covered, I made 15 points, I believe on it, which felt pretty good in one day. Obviously, looking back, if I would have held a week and a half, I would have made 60, I'd be up 70 points in it. So I got to learn how to hold better. But anyways, I identified that catalyst, which I believed was Shopify rolling over that day, which allowed me to get a nice short on Roku. And Dennis, I think you imagine somebody going, okay, this Roku thing worked really well for us. Where, where else can we find something else like it? And they just look for the momentum, like you're saying. It doesn't have to be in the same industry. Once the momentum, guys, once the momentum breaks and some of your leaders, they'll go to the other momos and start hitting them as well. This is the way this market works. And it's also a lot of psychology behind it all, but a lot of you know fear as well. And there had been zero fear. The only fear in Roku and Shopify for the first half of August, and even into the, obviously the end of August, was the fear of missing out. And that fear changed very quickly, you know, when Shopify had, a, you know, the big bad day, which I'm talking about, I believe it was, I'm looking at it on Nine? September the 9th. Yeah. So Shopify bad. actually topped a, a few, you know, a, a week before Roku, but it had that really ugly candle you can see. And if we actually went to an intraday, it'd be tough to just go break that down. But I remember it was all in the morning. It opened up a little bit that day uh, or, it, it opened, you know, from, from the previous day's close. And it went straight down. And as I saw him just whacking Shopify, I was like, okay, I'm getting short Roku because it's going to follow suit. And it did. Um, and this is what, and, and, and we talk, you know, a lot of people use technicals. A lot of people, you know, you have different styles of trading. I'm, my main uh, way that I trade is relationship-based trading, understanding that there's relationships and relationships break. I mean, it's not like Shopify and Roku are always going to be related to each other. They were just, you know, related for the last couple months because they're Momo plays. But these change, you know, relationships can change too. I mean, Coke Pepsi is always going to have a relationship. AT&T Verizon is always going to have a relationship because they're similar stocks in similar industries of similar business models. But, you know, certain stocks can have relationships that just all of a sudden show up and all of a sudden break as well. And Shopify Roku has had been in a relationship for a while and they still are related to each other. So because they're both Momo plays, similar types of investors in those stocks making similar types of moves. Dennis, and looking at the uh, some data here on Roku, uh, the big volume day was uh, September 20th, and we traded over 65 million shares on that day that you were noting the uh, the low there. We traded about 24 million shares, so a huge volume day there on September 20th. The second that was the analyst that came out with the price target, I believe, and put the 80 or the 60 yeah. 60 dollar price target, I believe, on it. Yep. And, the second, and that spooked everyone. Yep, all the way down to 103.62. That was at low on September 20th. Yep. Uh, Dennis, Dennis, swinging back to something that you said a minute ago, uh, you know, there wasn't really any China news over the weekend, right? And we do, like you were pointing out, we do have the FXI yep. higher today. And so it hasn't really happened in the last couple 
months even, well, in a couple weeks, I guess, that we haven't had news that was kind of like impacting the markets over the weekend. So, you know, I guess no, no new developments. We're still sort of dealing with those uh, developments on Friday, talking about potentially blocking uh, flows into China and nothing really happened over the weekend. And so I think we're just getting a little bit of a, a rebound here. Is that kind of- I mean, Alibaba lifting here too, obviously helps as well because it's such a big component in a lot of the emerging market indexes here. But you saw a lot of weakness Friday. So you're getting a bounce. Mm-hmm. And I would call this nothing more than a bounce. I'm long Alibaba in my retirement account. Um, but as a trade, the stock is somewhat broken here. That was a really ugly candle on Friday. So if I had this on for a trade, I would probably be lightening up into it. I'm not going to because I've got in the retirement account. I got to stop trading the retirement account. So, you know, it's a stock I believe in long term, and that's why I'm still in it. Um, but if I had this on for a trade and I was playing it you know, from the long side, I think the candle that happened on Friday looks makes it look more broken to me, this story. So, as you see, and I get half of its losses back just this morning, it would make me want to hit the sell button more than the buy button. Huge volume on Friday, also 33 million shares. Yeah. Yeah, it really rolled over. I mean, you're talking about a stock that opened at 176 and went down to 163, a stock that lost 8% intraday. It was a really ugly day for Alibaba. So yeah. bouncing, I call this nothing more than a dead cap bounce today. I wouldn't get excited and say, okay, the bottom's in. If I think the people who are coming in here and buying it now, I think are on the wrong side of the trade. Uh, 163.15 low was that low from Friday in Alibaba. So keep your eyes on that. Uh, Dennis, not really any like exciting, a ton of exciting news this week. Uh, real quick, just wanted to say, uh, not really any notable earnings today. We got uh, CalMain Foods, C-A-L-M. They already reported today. Kind of moving through this week. We get McCormick tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to get Stitch Fix. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to get Lennar, Home Builder, Paychex, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, who, which got a downgrade to underperform today. No, upgrade, wasn't upgrade, it? Upgrade, excuse me. Yep, you're right. Yep. And then Thursday, we're going to get uh, Pepsi, Constellation, Costco. So, we're sort of getting a little bit more excited on the earnings front later. At the end of retail earnings season, so we're getting a few. Um, and obviously, this is the end of the quarter here as well. So we will see earnings pick up in about a week and a half as we start getting the, the earnings from the third quarter coming in. Uh, but we've got to you know, consider here that there is going to be a lot of volatility here at the close because this is not only the end of the month. It is the end of the quarter. This is typical days that they talk about window dressing where managers will be buying stocks that have been outperforming, trying to make their portfolios look a little bit nicer, maybe selling stocks that have been underperforming. So a lot of times you can see some fall through moves on certain stocks that have had a weak quarter or certain stocks that have had a strong quarter. Uh, But sometimes it can go the other way as well. Nothing is in stone. Uh, It just seems to be, you know, obviously as traders, we always live in the percentages. And if something has an edge of 55, I like to play it from that way as opposed to 45. But uh, the one thing you can always promise at the end of the quarter is usually some significant volatility on the close. Yeah, and Spinner actually uh, highlighting that Thor Industries also had some earnings today. That's T-H-O. Dennis, uh, something that I wanted to get your take on a little bit is like, you know, on the news desk, the earnings team, the, the earnings season is an extremely busy time for us, right? So we're never, you know, extremely excited to get into the earnings season just because it means a lot of work for us. But actually this quarter, I'm kind of getting excited for earnings because we like need some fundamental news here. Right now, the market is trading on zero fundamental information. Trading on Trump's Twitter account. (laughs) Exactly. So like we, it kind of happened last quarter also where I felt like we were getting the cycle of kind of like sale news. People are kind of focused on the same thing. So much headline risk that it's sort of good when you get these earnings seasons to like break up the kind of like lack of fundamental information so it's really good to get some of that fundamental 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 information back into the market so people are like focused on earnings and sales and pe's and stuff like that it's I mean, a catalyst that can you like feel that there's no catalyst yeah and that's probably why we've just chopped around a lot it seems like the buy the dip mentality is still there on the overall market because when we lose the leaders like we lost shopify and roku we picked up the laggards the banks had a pretty darn good quarter a lot of those banks uh turned around and obviously you know maybe that's interest rate related but you know the home builders and the banks had a pretty good quarter even the utilities were very strong this quarter again so it's probably more of an interest rate trade but you're seeing rotation still happen and this is how it's hard to really get on board with the full bear case here yet because the rotation is still in there when bears start to take over and chew it up like we saw at the end of december they don't just start you know they aren't rotating from sector to sector they're rotating into cash and they're selling stocks all together that is what we saw at the end of december we saw fear 
we saw the markets fall 15% in a matter of a week and a half. And that was a very scary time because the rotation was not happening to keep us up. Rotation is still happening here to keep us up. So even though we've saw some of the leaders fall significantly, we've just saw the rotation happen. And even in the stocks like Apple, which have held up very, very well. So, you know, it's a funny market. Rotation's still happening here. And it and we do need, you know, to come in and get more catalysts here because right now we're just kind of bouncing around and chopping up and really going nowhere on the S&P. So earnings is always a catalyst. Let's see how the next earnings season is. And Dennis, you were uh, highlighting a couple news items from over the weekend and ahead into this week. Kind of seemed like it was in a lot of in biotech and sort of healthcare land a little bit. Uh, we had a Mallinckrodt settlement yeah. there. Uh, Amgen had some drug news. One thing that you were kind of excited about, I think, was uh, this data that is going to be coming out from Sarepta, that's SRPT, later this week. Well, Citigroup is apparently excited about it. I, this has been, and I want to talk about, you know, we talk about good trades and bad trades. A lot of times, you know, traders will mention their good trades. I like to mention my bad trades, too, and bad investments. And I've wanted Sarepta in my long-term portfolio because I believe in the long-term story for a long time. I took my shot on that first day, and I've even... My, my spiny senses were telling me you shouldn't do that, but I wanted it. I took a half size position only because, and whenever I take a half size position, it means I'm not as confident as I should be. And maybe I shouldn't take any position at all. But I took a half size position, put it in the long-term portfolio and said, I'll buy more if it starts going down. I have not bought more because I hate adding to losers. So it seems like I never do buy more when they start to go against me. But I bought this on the first day at around 100 from the 120 to the 100. It sat there for a couple of days and then broke down and it should continue to break down. When stocks are broken, they stay broken for a long time. They almost need a catalyst to kickstart them the other way. This stock remains broken here. Um, it's had some good, uh, it's had a couple of you know pieces of you know maybe analyst and uh, commentary along right. the way. And today we get this again because Citigroup is coming out and saying it's one of their top picks. And uh, they are uh, obviously, um, putting a buy or they have their buy rating already on it they're just reiterating their buy rating they did cut their price target from 185 to 180 but saying it still remains a top buy and they're po positive about this data that's supposed to come out this week on srpt so it's yeah. going to be a big week for srpt no trade on this for me just the long-term retirement account sitting in there but um again what I, what I want other traders to learn from my mistake is don't be a hero and try to stop the stock from going down even if you want it in your long-term portfolio Wait a few days, wait for a dust to settle, wait till the stock starts turning. We talk about that all the time. And even though I talk about it all the time, sometimes I don't listen to my own words. And in this case, I didn't listen to my own words and I got punished for it. Sarepta was a broken chart and there was no reason to jump in on day one. And I did. And I obviously got punished for it significantly because the stock is down um, you know, 25% from where I bought it just a month ago. So this is, you know, the, the, so when you're seeing stocks that really get hammered on earnings, even like in the case of Micron on Friday, it's never that good of an idea to jump in on day one, because it seems like that those sellers will continue to be there. And you have a lot of overhead supply all of a sudden, people who are caught from the night before that or the day before who want to be, you know, want to get their money back. So it makes the path of least resistance um, actually further to the downside, as opposed to just bouncing right back. You usually don't see these stocks bounce right back and i'm going to continue to try to learn 22 years of trading and you know you're still learning every day you have to learn and i i can remember even saying this to myself even when i first started learning before i started bright trading i remember this lesson back in like 1998 or 1997 when i was just trading my parents money because i didn't have any money i was in college myself but i remember i bought some oracle uh, stock, which had, which had went, and obviously in the long term, that was a really good play. But in the short term, the stock had a disappointing earnings report and went from 23 down to 18. And I bought it on day one. I was like, oh, you know, it's going to bounce back. Well, that stock continued to leak for the next six months. And it actually went down, I think, to 13 or $14. This would be pre-split and, and you're going back. So I'm, I'm, you're going to look at these prices. It's going to look differently because <laughs> the stock split since then. Right. But I can remember that. And I remember saying to myself is, don't buy them on day one. So I learned this lesson back in 1998. And here I am 21 years later. And I made the same mistake on Sarepta. So don't be a hero. Don't buy them on day one. More often than not, they continue to leak for a while. And it usually takes a catalyst, maybe an analyst or a big insider buy or something to kickstart it the other way. And until you get that catalyst, they can continue to leak. And that is what has happened with Sarepta. 76.99 was at high on uh, Thursday. And yep. 72.05 was the low. And we're, you know, a little bit more around that range. This data is going to matter. The one thing yeah. going against it, though, even if it bounces on the data and gets up to 85, 86, think of all the people who are down in the stock that are potential sellers, even like myself. So 
Um, you know, they become sellers, obviously, if the thing starts to rally and they're hoping to get some of their money back. So it's difficult for stocks that are in the doghouse to turn around on a dime. That's, that's my point to the story. Yeah, that's where the psychology really... Really it really is. is. People don't want to. It goes right back to loss aversion from behavioral finance, which I took in school. And people don't like to sell at a loss. I mean, Jeremy Newsom, who we're going to have on in five minutes, you know, he does his all day trading around stuff like that, figuring out where all the pain is. These people are caught. They're going to become sellers. I'm sure he's going to talk about this, you know, in five minutes with us too. the same side. And he does it in short term swing trading and short term day trading. I'm talking about it from a longer term perspective. Um, and I use that, you know, that psychology in it as well, but it works in the short term uh, too, even on day trades. It's like, you know, people are in this and stocks start breaking down. Now it starts to pop back up. Well, he's more of a seller than a buyer because it's people who are day trading this thing who are along it right now, hoping to get their money back because even day traders don't like to lose money. And there's a lot of them who have that loss aversion where they don't want to sell at a loss, hoping to get their money back. And when you're in the hope trade, you're in the hopeless trade and you can play that pain trade um, in a lot of different stocks. And Sarepta still is in a clear downtrend. So it's a stock that, you know, probably even though it has data coming, um, I'm not sure I'd be a buyer here right now, even though I own the stock in my long-term retirement account. And it looks like that data is going to be uh, phase one to nine month data. It looks like it's going to be, so they're holding a webcast on Friday at 8 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. I don't know that that means that the data is going to be out on Friday. The data might be out on Thursday, but it is uh, data for their uh, it's coming though muscular dystrophy treatment yep exactly dennis the one thing that i want to ask you about real quick just we got to get to uh jeremy here in a few but yeah so I, I feel like i get this question a lot from benzinga pro users like how do you how do you fight that fomo how do you how do you sort of fight and you know think about your discipline and go i got burned last time heads up this time do you, i mean do you do you do anything to practice that so you don't get yourself in a position like you are in a little bit with sarepta here um I have a real tough time balancing. So in the trading portfolio, I have zero tolerance for losers. I cut my losers very quickly. I don't, like in my day trading portfolio, I clear it out every single day. So I have overnight trades, I'll do stuff. But for the most part, in my day trading portfolio, I will get flat every single, you know, at the middle of the day or whatever it is for my overnight trades, I get out of them all at the open. So I'm trying to always, you know, be flat and then I start to get into positions. We know I don't trade much from 10 to two. I've said that before because I feel like it's chop hours and there's not as much money in there. Um, so often, you know, I'm at by 1030 or 11 o'clock in the morning, I'm flat in my day trading portfolio. Then I take a few hours off. I go for a ride. My buddy's Tesla like today. And, you know, and then I come back to the markets at 2, 2.30, sometimes even as late as three o'clock and get ready for the close. I'll be earlier today because of the uh, quarter expiration. So I obviously that's going to be some more volatility for me. But then I start to, you know, position myself. I do have swing trades on sometimes. Right now, I don't have any swing trades on. Uh, my bread and butter has always been the day trading, but I have trouble separating uh, the investing right. side from the day trading side. I try not to look at my invest portfolio. I try to think longer term. Do I like the story longer term? And I go with those stocks, but that got me in trouble because still timing and my timing on putting Sarepta on my long-term portfolio couldn't have been worse. It couldn't have been worse because I tried to call a bottom and I could have waited on that, but I was excited because it had come down a long ways as a stock that I always wanted, stock that I had at one time. And, you know, and it came back down and I was like, you know, okay, I want it now. And sometimes, you know, you get lucky and you actually get the bottom, but more often than not, you don't. And more often than not, these things continue to leak. So sure. the original question was, how do you, um, you know, sure. stop yourself from, you know, the yeah. FOMO? Um, yeah. I would say that's more of a momentum based trade. So maybe Sarepta isn't the best example, but like, let's take a stock like Roku okay. and talk about the, the, the FOMO in that, because that's all there was for the entire month of August and the first part of September was people were in this thing. The fear of missing out was the trade and they had to be in it because Roku was the best way to play streaming. Jim Cramer was pumping it every night, every day. It seemed like on CNBC that this is the way you play streaming. It's the pure play and everybody's going to be in this thing. But um, you can play it. And I was long Roku a couple of times and I had even said, I thought maybe it was going to go to 200. Um, you know, I had said this on the show, even though I wasn't in it at that time, but I was in it on, from the long side a couple of times, but one day changed everything. And what that was was Shopify. So when the first stock rolls over, I think the next one's going to roll over. And that's why I was able to actually get short Roku going against the trend there. But I had another, you know, stock that I was using as an indicator to say, I think maybe the tide is turning here. So, and I was able to get that on day one. That's not always going to be the case, but when the chart breaks, when they start to break down, that's usually a signal that, hey, FOMO, you know, now could turn into fear itself. And that's where, you know, you can make some serious money because let's look at Roku. I mean, it went up, yeah, 80 points or 75 points in a matter of a month, uh, just over a month. 
Well, it gave that all back in a matter of three weeks. So there's some money to be made on the short side and long side if you engage the momentum traders and what they're going to do. Dennis, I think what you were, you know, kind of saying, what it, what it sounded like you were saying to me is you put something in place of your day so that you could sort of prevent yourself a little bit. You're like, okay, I'm going to trade from these times, these times after that time, like get me away from my computer. I'm going, I'm leaving the house or whatever. What I've learned. And obviously I have to do that because I'm trading pre-market. So I'm trading hours and you can't, I'm not a Jim Cramer machine that I can just work 18 hours a day or 20 hours a day and sleep two hours a night. Like he says he does. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, you know, need to do other things. I have two kids. I got a you know, two-year-old and a four-year-old. So I've, I've, you know, other responsibilities here as well. So I can't just be trading 16 hours a day. I trade when I can make the most money. So I've always analyzed my hours and I make the most money trading from, you know, this, this time where I'm doing the radio show isn't, you know, so much I'm making the money, but I'm making it that nine o'clock to 10 o'clock, that open, the close, after hours trading news events. We know I like to trade the news and there's a lot of alpha in there. Um, if you can be right, you know, on news interpretation, you can make a lot of money. So I love trading the news. Um, and, you know, so I'll trade that four or five to five hour very significantly. A lot of times I'll trade till eight o'clock at night. The stocks are open until eight o'clock at night on all your uh, other, uh, off, you know, on your exchanges there. But, you know, a lot of people, the New York Stock Exchange official closes four, but the stocks themselves on ARCA and NASDAQ don't close until eight o'clock. So you can trade them at night as well. And sometimes there's some good opportunities there. So I trade when I can make the most money. What I've found over the last six or seven years when I, when I moved to these hours is that I wasn't making enough money. I was still making money, but I wasn't making enough in the hours of 10.30 to 2.30. And that's why I stopped trading those hours and I adjusted. I started to get up earlier in the morning and trade earlier in the morning. I started to stay later and I started to you know, trade those hours at four to five o'clock. There's a lot of news. There's a lot of stuff going on. I can play relationship-based trades. I can do all kinds of fun things there or just trade the headlines themselves, which we've talked about a lot on the show. So, you know, I try to trade when I can make the most money. I, I spoke with a Benzinga Pro user last week and he was like, oh, Brent, I'm, I'm, I'm over trading. I'm, I'm trading too much. And I'm like, well, you know, it sounds like you don't do too much fundamental research. Put a time in your day where you know you're going to do your fundamental research and and really the benefit is that you're not trading for those two hours or whatever. And so, you know, it sounds like you did something similar where you had, you know, you analyze where you were making your most money and said, okay, well, like, let's look at this between 10 and two. I'm, I'm not doing as well. So, so why don't we, why don't we take it off the plate? Totally. That's what I, and, and, and for a lot of years. So from, you know, for years, I, I started trading prop in 1999 Till 2010, I would never have dreamed of taking off an hour in the middle of the day. There was too much money to be made. But high-frequency traders, you know, have dominated those spaces, and they love the chop. And what I think they do, they chop you up a lot. Around that 11, 12, 1, you see a lot of, you know, just, just chop and, you know, nonsense. And it's hard to trade those. So, you know, analyze your own trading. You know, analyze it hour to hours. Where are you making the most money? That's where you focus your time and effort. I would say I make the majority of my money at that open, near the close, and that first hour four to five o'clock because that's where a lot of news breaks after hours even in the pre-market to the nine to nine thirty because you're getting imbalances coming you know you're getting indications of where stocks might open there may be relationships that are out to lunch i talk about those on the pre-market show all the time but let's go bring on a trader who does trade a lot throughout yeah. the day as well and that's jeremy newsome and obviously we've had him on the show a lot of times and jeremy specializes in a time frame that i don't where i'm short-term scalper he's more a little longer term where he does some swings he'll do some short-term scalping as well but a uh, very good trader. So let's go grab Jeremy Newsom from Real Life Trading. So I, uh, if I'm, we know how to do that, <laughs> we normally have Spencer doing it. Chris is going to try to get him. Yeah, Chris is on it. I think Jeremy just knows how to join our our uh, our Zoom. Jeremy, account. are you out there? Are you listening? Come join us. He might be listening. Yeah, it might be it. Jeremy, can you hear me now? If he got, I hope we sent him the Zoom link because we use Zoom now for this. So hopefully we got him. So Chris emailed the Zoom link. Yeah, maybe just send him the Zoom link real quick. And Dennis, we always got enough stuff to talk about. So not, well, we can keep that, going here. Chris not, is going to try to get. Don't want to talk to Jeremy. We we love talking with Jeremy. We're just trying to figure it all out. Spencer's the man on this. He does it every day. So we just got to figure out the logistics here to get Jeremy on the show here. I can always I can just message him right now and just see if he's ready. If he's got the Zoom link, I think I'll Chris, just send him a quick Chris, hit. I've got him on yeah. text here, trying to find. Jeremy. Chris says, "Tell Dennis to message him. Send him the link, please, to Zoom." Well, I don't have a link. Oh, you no. you you have to send the link. I'm not. You got the link. So, so Chris has the link. Chris, can you send? Do you have Jeremy's uh, email? Yeah, he's got the email. He's just looking for a link right now. Yeah, Chris will send him the link. I'll say, do exactly. you have the link? 
Okay, I just texted Jeremy. Uh, hopefully, he's going to respond here. So we'll get him on here. Chris working on that in the background, but we're having a good conversation here. We can keep Jeremy a little bit longer too. Obviously, we don't have to just drop the guest yeah. at eight fifty when we get him on late. So we'll maybe keep Jeremy for the rest of the show when we do grab him. But you talked about some ratings off the hop here. Uh, yeah, we didn't get Friendster. to Friendster. Let's yeah. go to the Bed Bath and Beyond. Because we have an analyst that's bullshit here this morning. It's yep. a stock that's been in the eternal doghouse here. A stock that I've been very bearish as well. But we saw this market turn. And look how funny it is. You know, here it is in August. Here's a stock that had been in a dog. And the leaders became laggards. And the laggards became leaders. And Bed Bath & Beyond was a laggard that became a leader in August. Obviously had a really good month from $7.60 up to $11. Has pulled back. You know what? I don't mind this call. But, it's on, but one thing is, though, it's going to matter what the earnings are. And it's tough to trade something technically when you're going to have earnings on Wednesday, like you said. So you have a day or two to trade this. Maybe you show some life. Maybe you make a few nervous shorts. Squeeze it up to 11, maybe. It's at 10.30 here this morning. But what was the analyst? Uh, who was the analyst? Uh, it was Wedbush analyst. Wedbush. Wedbush upgrades outperform. They raise their price target uh, to 16 bones. They were at 14 bucks before. So kind of a small price target increase there. I'm looking to see if I if we have the note. We usually have Wedbush notes. Let me see if I can find a little color from this here, Dennis. Okay. And we, we're seeing the stock trade up at 1030 here this morning. Like I said, I think this is a stock that has room to 11. I'd be nervous about chasing it here, though, just because we have the earnings coming on Wednesday and that matters. And we have seen some significant rallies in some of the dog retailers. And Bed Bath & Beyond has been nothing but a dog for a long time now. And then they come out with earnings. And sometimes they rally and sometimes it's more of a coin flip. Like we saw Michaels have significant rally. Um, and then we saw some of the other retailers that, you know, like, a, like a, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, which one I was thinking of. Um, anyways, we saw some of the other you know, retailers here that have been hit hard on their earnings. But I would expect a big, big move off their earnings report on Wednesday. So you got a day or two to trade ahead of it. Like I said, maybe there's room to 11, but I'd be nervous holding it through the report. Yeah, and just a little, we, we do got Jeremy here, but just a little quick, quick color from that Wedbush call. Uh, while turning around declining retailers is a very difficult task, particularly amidst unfavorable secular trends, we see a good chance of stabilization, if not growth, in earnings over the next two years. Uh, has a reconstituted board. The analyst likes the reconstituted board. Uh, much improved governance. They're resetting their cost structure. They have a plan to reduce inventory by about a billion dollars. That would be about 40% of their inventory. So uh, this analyst here, this Wedbush analyst here, has it on their best ideas list. Also making some you know, pretty dramatic uh, fundamental calls here. And we'll just switch over to Jeremy. Jeremy, are you out there? Let's see. What's going on, champion? How are you? Oh, yes. There he is. Yeah, man. No video this morning, Jeremy? Uh, let me see if I can turn on. My webcam has been messing up recently. Oh, we want to see this newsome guy. He's trying. He's trying. Oh, there he work? is. Yeah. yeah he's here. There he is. Yeah. We got Jeremy Newsome. <laughs> How's it going, going on, buddy? How are you? How's the Doing weekend? Weekend was amazing, man. So far, so good. Still going well. It's uh, it's Monday, man. I'm pumped. I love Mondays. I'm following you on Twitter, and it seems like you you were saying last month you didn't have the best month. It seems like this month you were just on fire, buddy. You've been on fire this month. What 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 are you trading here? It seems like every day you're coming out with big winners. <laughs> September September is much better than August, man. August <laughs> is tough. Congrats. Monster. You know what? I'm the exact opposite. My August was my best month in five years, and September's turned out to be one of my worst. I'm still green, but it has not been a good month for me. I've had Dude, some bad congrats, luck this month. man. So I gave you one all of my those money. things. I gave you all Are my we money. on the opposite <laughs> sides? Maybe we're just doing opposite trades. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, Jeremy's the line jumper. <laughs> See how Jeremy's the cue jumper. <laughs> has to be. Has to be. What are you, what are you even trading? What, what's, what's, what's up? Um, Tesla Austin man was probably my biggest win for, for September. I both got really, side, right? Or, or you played uh, it bearish too, didn't you? I played it. Yeah. I played it both sides. Wow. But, uh, it's a break both ways. This guy knows yeah, what's going yeah. on. Yeah. So early September was really good for some bulls on Tesla. And I, and then uh, I got really lucky on, uh, the 24th last week when okay. it had that big random drop, like yep. 8% drop. I was in most of that bearish for that oh, day. Awesome. But I'm gonna keep an eye on it going long, man. I, I really think Tesla could have some uh, some decent upside because that the, the volume was huge on the 24th. Yeah, and we've already taken out. We close above that volume, so I feel like there's gonna be some bears, some overzealous trapped. bears that got trapped. Yeah, exactly. 
the biggest volume day going back all the way to the end of July there. Uh, 13, about 13 to 14 million shares traded. Uh, yeah, and, it, and it's bounced back so quickly that if you were in that bearish camp and you blinked or took a day off, it's like, boom, you know, all of a sudden it goes from 220 to 240. It seems like overnight. I mean, I, I agree. I think you do have maybe some shorts caught here. Yeah, so we started breaking above 245 again, and I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. So this is just one that I've been having fun trading really over the last two or three weeks. Um, I, Amazon has uh, just been crushing me because I'm trying to figure out when it's going to roll over because it looks – so weak for some reason like on the weekly chart yeah. the daily chart it just kind of keeps breaking down keeps going lower it can't hold its it can't hold its head above water it had that like almost breakout around 1850 yeah. right? everyone thought it was gonna go to 1900 and it just can't keep hitting it but every yeah. time i tried shorting it i feel like it's the wrong day <laughs> it's it's been tough to chase them, you know, and now you think like 17, 18, 25, a week and a half ago now, it's 17, 25. Do I want to chase it and short it down here? I'm on the wrong side. Exactly. I mean, Gil Morales, and you know, we've had him on the show quite a few times, and he says it's been more of the play to, you know, to buy some of these dips as opposed to sell them. Um, I don't know. Like, it's, it's still that, you know, it, it's a little bit of that overall rotation, I think, that's keeping Amazon down, where we've seen the higher PE stocks get hit and the lower PE stocks rally. I'm not sure that rotation is over here, but maybe that rotation is starting to get a little long in the tooth because we've been doing that for about the last three weeks here. And I just wonder if that does, the trade doesn't, you know, start to come off here eventually. Yeah. So they actually yeah. start to sell some of these, you know, uh, uh, lower PE stocks and start to, you know, buy the dip on the, the higher PE stocks again. I mean, the Roku's and the Shopify's been absolutely killed. So not that Amazon, it's a little more stable stock than those two, but are you even playing those at all? The Roku's and the Shopify's? Yes. So I have been playing Roku. I'm pretty bearish on Roku. Well, I shouldn't say pretty bearish. I mean, short term, like I actually like the company and the fundamentals, all that stuff, but yeah. I think within the next two, three weeks, I don't see why it can't go a little bit lower. Uh, that's just, that move that we had was just parabolic. I think everyone, everyone who knows anything about trading, once it got over 160, I'm like, nah. Got silly. This is just silly. silly. <laughs> this is 500% return in a year. Give me a break. Yeah, it was getting so silly. Those I was waiting. I definitely did not get the top on that. But um, once it dropped, once it had that September 10th drop, I was like, yeah, this is – this is it. We're going to go a little bit lower. It's, everything looks weak. So I, I still expect it to go down to the low 90s, high 80s, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, so you're talking about Roku. I mean, do you when you're putting these trades on, are you flat out short in the stock or do you use options? So I only, I, I very, very rarely short stock as a swing trade. I will. I certainly will. Yeah. Uh, normally I'm day trading at bearish or I'm trading options. Okay. Yep. So on Roku, it was uh, long, long puts and short shares for day trading. And that worked uh, pretty well for some of the moves down. But yeah, yeah the I, I'm in short, let's see, Workday right now shares, W-D-A-Y. Let's go check it out. Um, yeah, so Workday, uh, I got in, let's see, on what day was that? That was when it broke down September 24th. Yeah. And I held through the pop that happened the last two days. Uh, and so expecting Workday to potentially go down a little bit lower, it may or may not. I'm not entirely sure, but I am in shares on that one. But you're asking about Shopify. I'm actually, this is a rare strategy I don't do very often, but I'm long January 220 puts. Um, I got long on those uh, back on the 20th of September. So I'm, I'm long out of the money puts. Yeah. Which I normally sell out of the money puts. But Shopify, uh, if you go to a weekly chart on this thing, man, it was ridiculous. And it's been breaking down some really strong support. It looks scary. You look at the dailies and you're like, oh, it's coming to support. You look at the weeklies and you're like, there's no support till we get down to 200 bucks. <laughs> Bingo. That's kind of the thing, man. Crazy and how just changing the time frame, the chart looks completely different. <laughs> looks completely different. And yeah. this, this is one I've, uh, you, you, I mean, I actually like the company. Again, fundamentals look good, but that was just ridiculous. It's like God, some silly. of these moves were just insane. Yeah. Everybody just piling in. And I've talked about the Canadian aspect of Shopify, and I believe Canadian money managers just loading this up too because they don't have anywhere else to go. I mean, the tech companies in Canada aren't very many, so you get one good one and they all load up. And I think that was a lot to do with this entire move this entire year. Now maybe that trade's coming off a little bit. I think at a certain point in time, Shopify is going to be a buy again just simply because I, I do like the company and I believe there's not a lot of other 
places to go if you're investing in tech in Canada as a Canadian tech uh, manager there. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, right now, you know, being a hero has always been, you know, a, a difficult trade and the stock still looks weak as well. Yep. I agree, man. I just, uh, when it had that share offering, so it had some really big volume. Um, let's see what day was the share offering. So the share offering was the 17th of September Yeah, and you just had a lot of volume coming in because people were excited about it. They figured it was going to happen. It needed to happen because the company was losing money. Um, so that, you know, Raising cash. Share offering wasn't a bad thing, but since we've taken out the low of that share offering already yeah. was ugh, like, it was a little rough. Um, just from a technical standpoint, from a fundamental standpoint, I guess the company still makes sense. But I mean, from a technical standpoint, this is textbook because if we look just at the day's daily highs and lows, I believe, and Brent, you might want to correct me on this, but I'm going for my memory. I believe that offering was 317 priced at. And we bounced off that level a couple of times we tried to, and then we took it out and that was the whoosh when we got down to 287. Well, look, we bounced back up and where do we bounce to? Look at the highs from the last four days. 315, 316, 316. You've got all the people who maybe participated in that yeah. offering buying yeah. stock at 317 saying, hey, I can get my money back here for four days. It tops out just below that 317 level. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think there's people who are stuck long at that point yeah. saying, I'm going to get my money back and I want it back. I'm going to lose a buck maybe on it. I'm fine with that on Shopify because I was just down 30 in it. So that 317 level is huge for it. And now it looks like it is indeed trying to stall out there. And what does that mean? Maybe it means a continuation of the previous trend, which is definitely down. That yeah. offering was actually uh, 317.50. Oh, I was on by 50 cents. So a pretty good memory, 317 well, yeah. and a half. So the day we round after, on $300 stocks. We rounded the nearest point. I'm going to go 317. Even though math, my math teacher would yell at me for that and say, when you're 317.50, you rounded the closest even number. So it would be 318. It doesn't work <laughs> that way, Dennis. 317.55 was the low the day after they did that offering. Those offering prices, those are magnet numbers. So a lot of times they like to test those and you know the technicals and obviously can play out that way so so yeah interesting setup there on shopify so you remain bearish the stock right now yeah uh exactly so i have long puts on it uh the 220 january and again my, my main challenge right now is just keeping an eye on it to kind of more or less expect uh it doesn't have to go to 220 but i think it could that's the crazy thing you know and I don't even know, like just looking at the chart and some of these lows, I don't even know if the 200, there's only a couple lows around the 200 level. It's sort of looking more like 150. Where I mean, that's so far down. I think you're going to find buyers before that. Oh, yeah. so I think Jeremy will probably be, you know, even though you buy the 220 puts, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be, you know, waiting for 220. It's saying right. falls 50 points. You might be ringing the register there too, buddy. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's one thing, um, you know, he's just making a bearish call here. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, but it, but it, that's the thing, man, is it could. Brent, Brent, Brent's correct. What's really interesting is I'm keeping an eye on April 30th. April 30th had a really big volume spike, and there's tons of people long from April 30th. And so I know the market loves to take the stocks down, uh, just the prices where, where a lot of people would be trapped. So the 200 simple moving average on the daily chart is 252. So yeah, we hit that. I'll probably sell those options because I'd be up like 300% at that point, maybe even a little bit more, but uh, a little bit of weakness, man. Look, uh, look, look, look at this. What do you pay pop. for the 220s? How much do you pay for that? What's the premium like on those? Uh, I paid 550. Okay. Yeah. So right At least now, you know what your max loss is, but you're pretty good at, you know, getting out of those things too. You usually don't lose your max on those options. No, no, very, very frequently. But this one, correct. I mean, 550, you know, your worst case scenario. That's what I like about options. I mean, I, I don't think Shopify is going to get bought out, but you were talking about shorting the shares or whatever. I just felt like that would probably be the least of my, uh, you never, I don't know, man. Like I was when you play it buying puts, you're limiting your risk, exactly. you know, significantly. That's the nice exactly. thing about that. And I have been in stocks and I have been short stocks and I have been bought out before and it really sucks. And we're not saying that at all. We're just saying, you know, you obviously take that off the right. table when you just got the puts because you can only lose 550. I Correct. mean, it's a real tough pill to swallow. If you're trading overnight, anything can happen in any news, especially, you know, I've been in biotech stocks, short of stock that's come out with a good trial and it's doubled. And you're like, what do I do now? Well, you know what? You eat it. And that's why you still stay, stay diversified in your long-term portfolio or even in your swing trading or day trading portfolio because bad things can happen overnight, you know, and yeah. it can move against you 
um, significantly there. So you always have to be there. So puts are way one way of limiting that risk. Yeah, I was gonna say by the way, Brent, dude, I love that shirt. Hoo-hoo. Thank you. Spencer's always stylish. Yeah. He's always stylish. Fire. See, I got the Benzinga shirt going, so I'm just representing <laughs> here. Yeah. <laughs> Benzinga shirt, though, the Trading Summit shirt, Dennis? Yeah, that's the Trading Summit one. You got to give me more shirts, and then I can just wear a different Benzinga shirt every day. Send, them, send, send me some more shirts. <laughs> Jeremy, when are we going to get you uh, to Detroit? Come hang out at BZHQ. We'll get Dennis over. It'll be a good big, big old party. Come on. I was just talking to Renato about that, actually. Nice. So I'm, I'm in, man. We can make it happen whenever. Let's I mean, do it. Someone told me that winter is coming up and you don't want to be in Detroit in the winter. <laughs> it's not, it's not like Nashville, buddy. <laughs> it's well, not, but it's also not, not that bad. I mean, I, I obviously I, I, I go in the cottage. Uh, my cottage is North of Toronto up there. They're in the snow belt up there and they get feet of snow. I mean, we get inches of snow. It's not really that bad. Maybe that uh, any given point through January, and there may be eight or 10 inches, maybe a foot on the ground of accumulated snow, but there's not four or five feet like in certain areas. So we're not too bad. Don't be too scared of Detroit in the winter. You got, Dude, I'm down, Brent. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. You got, I mean, October's fine. November's fine. December is okay. Just yeah. after, after that, yeah, we'll just come see us next spring or whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so uh, what else are you looking at today? More stocks on our list here. Let's talk the banks. And I don't know if okay. you trade the banks that much. You like the Momo stuff. But we have seen some of the banks uh, taking off here as of late. Wells Fargo with an excellent day on Friday. I thought that move might fade. It did not. Um, I also believe there was some analyst commentary on Wells Fargo here today. But just overall, you can look even the XLF, which isn't always the best in case there's so much Berkshire Hathaway in there. But Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, they've all shown some life this month. This rotation maybe into the lower PE names has helped. But also the interest rate trade here, where interest rates um, you know, look, at least for the short term, maybe they're not going to go up as much as everybody or down as much as quickly as everybody maybe anticipated here. And the banks are benefiting from that. And we're going to be getting into the big bank earnings season. And then do you, do you trade the banks ever there, Jeremy? Are they too boring for you? Uh, I do not own any long-term banks. Uh, I do trade them ever so often. Which ones do you pick on when you're trading them? Uh, Wells Fargo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I usually short it. <laughs> I usually short it. It usually works. <laughs> yeah. Usually short it. And that usually works. Uh, and right now I, uh, I'm watching for JP Morgan to kind of roll over just because it made a new brand new all time high. Yeah. Um, obviously very, very strong, strong company, but it, it almost has like a tweezer pattern on the daily chart. So again, just looking at pure. Define that tweezer pattern for us. Yep. So on JP Morgan, the, the candles, the highs actually of, September 19th and September 20th are numerically the exact same. Okay. So $120.34 to the nose. Yeah. So you have someone sitting up there shorting it really hard at 120 and a half. Um, so I mean, that, that's a big deal. And I think that it, since it just made a new all-time high, it went up from 107 to 120. Yeah, it's pretty fast, man. Just kind of a random, not random run up, but with the interest rates, I mean, that's a strong bullish move. So I'm just keeping an eye on it to not break those levels uh, over the next few days or weeks and, and slowly pull back some more. Huge volume on that second day of the 120.34, Jeremy. Uh, 20, yeah. Almost 23 million shares, 22 million shares. Dude, thank you for noticing. But yes, I agree. I think it's very interesting that there's a lot of volume, and that's an all. And that was pretty much an all-time high, very close to it. I mean, the all-time high was 120.40. So there's someone up there who really likes to sell J.P. Morgan, uh, either for a profit or selling it short. I don't know. Let's do a couple tickers from the chat here just before we let you go. Get your thoughts. Thanks. DC wants to know about uh, TSM, Taiwan Semiconductor um, stocks had a decent last couple of months it looks like it's been trending up here maybe the micron earnings putting a damper on most of the semiconductors on friday so tsm had a little bit of a tougher candle on friday uh it's lifting here this morning here is there a headline there must be a headline on tsm or is this just overnight brenster you can go to the pro but what are your thoughts here it's up at 46 and a half this morning yeah that's the interesting thing i think dc's right with that gap up i mean that this is very very close to i think it is an all-time high gap today Really? Yeah, so TSM has never been at 4655. So this is a big, um, let me actually check over here. I see one forty uh, forty six fifty one on Thursday. Yep. And then 4657 back on January 23rd. So this is a pretty good gap. I mean, 
Big, big, big picture. It is a consolidation distribution time frame, and I do think that it could slowly peel higher, but uh, buy some type of dip on Taiwan Semiconductor. And we had Goldman, Dennis, adding it to their conviction buy list today. 55, I just saw that, yeah. We got a price target added to their buy list, so. That's your catalyst. GS is on it. I love it. So we got Taiwan Semiconductor. And then what about Micron? Um, we've, we've got uh, go for uh, just grab his name there. Yeah, go for the d- W in the chats. It's a fun ticker symbol or it's a fun uh, name there he's got for his uh, handle. Go for the W. And uh, Micron had a horrible day. I still have it on my long-term portfolio, but wow, they whacked the hell out of that thing. Yeah. What are your thoughts here on MU? Is this one that continues to leak? Earnings were pretty bro- brutal, man. Um, they were okay. They just interpreted it as being brutal. So I thought the earnings were actually okay. Some of the commentary, but for whatever reason, sometimes they look at this and say no. And they 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 did buy it for the original for the first minute or two, and then it started rolling over, and it really never stopped. So I think it can continue to leak a little bit more. Um, I'm thinking max pain is around forty. Yeah, and then again, it'll get bought up. I think that gap that happened does fill. It'll take it some time, but I'm a buyer on Micron if it goes low enough. DC wants to know about race, R-A-C-E, Ferrari. We talk about Tesla a lot. We don't give enough uh, love here on the show to Ferrari. R-A-C-E is trading up a buck in the pre-market. Obviously, trades as an ADR, so it's actively trading over in Europe here right now. So it's already priced uh, where it wants to be really for today, trading up a buck 40. But what do you think on the technicals on R-A-C-E? Technicals look good, man. If it can if it can hold and open above 154, I mean, right now it's at 153 and a half. So... Yeah, it's very, very, very light volume. Um, so I'll be con- I wouldn't be massively excited about the gap, but if it can open or close above 154, I like Ferrari's trend, man. The bullish trend long-term looks good. The fundamentals look good. I like Ferrari as a dip buy. As long as it does not close below last week's low, because then it would be a double top. So if it closes below 147.67 anytime in the next three or four weeks, I, I, I would be short if that happens. So Seth. 901 here. We're just going a minute over here. So Jeremy, just final thoughts for, you know, today you look at the S and P's, they have actually leaked a lot of their gains away. I think we were trading up significant because China was pretty good, but we have started to leak here. What are your overall market thoughts? Because uh, I'm kind of, you know, you, you came in, you somewhat bullish Tesla, bearish Roku, Shopify. Um, seems like you got some bearish trades and some bullish trades on, but what are your over thoughts on the S and P from a technical perspective? We look at spy. Yeah, man, I, I am very, very neutral right now. I have some bull, I have some bear positions. Yeah. I'm quite neutral because I think I can fully expect anything to happen. October is going to be either quite bearish or exceedingly bullish. <laughs> I don't know. That's why you're neutral. That's why I'm neutral, man, because it really could go either direction. I do actually prefer it to drop. I think October would be nice to be play at bearish. Today is going to be a great day to stay in bed, honestly. Um, Blow volume today. I don't think anything's going to happen. It's going to be an inside day. And then everything starts kicking off on Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. So if, for day trading today, I'll be looking for things that are trading past previous highs, either above previous highs or below previous lows. Otherwise, I won't be taking that many trades today. I can assure you on that. Well, maybe get your trades in, Jeremy, and then you can, you can get back and snuggle in bed if you want. Dude, I'm looking forward to it, man. <laughs> we all need that every once in a while. Yeah. All right, Jeremy. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate yep. you. We'll get you back on soon. All right, gentlemen. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, sir. All right, Dennis. Good stuff. We're a few minutes over. Jeremy, thanks for seeing us a few later. Yeah. Quick and balanced. Look, there's really not much happening. Wells Fargo, 64000 to buy. I obviously always like looking at the TLT when I'm trading banks. TLT is a little bit weaker here this morning, trading down $0.65, cents, which makes me automatically think that the uh, the banks could show a little bit of strength here this morning. We do have a downgrade to USB if you're trading that bank. I forget who downgraded this morning. But that's why it is trading in the red. Um, that was Bank of America down. Bank of America downgrade. Alibaba, 148,000 to buy here this morning. It's trading up significantly. But like I was saying, I think that bounce could get faded. A lot of people here maybe caught long. Square is still showing a little bit of life trading in the green, 33,000 to buy. It's trying to hold up. I like that Square held up on Friday when a lot of higher PE names, which Square would be one of them, um, we're getting hit. Square was not. I'm still long square in the long-term portfolio. Full-size position for me now because I added to it on the dip. 
Um, I'm thinking, you know, I, I just I, from a trading perspective, I actually don't mind it here either, as long as it stays above the 59.83, 59.93 little double bottom that it made here the last couple of days. Below that, you get concerned that it could fill that little gap that we have in there down to 58.89, and then, you know, obviously maybe retest the lows. But as long as it stays above that 59.89 area, I remain in the bull camp for in the short term and long term on Square. Awesome, Dennis. Are you ready to wrap her up? Yeah, a 904. Um, we'll wrap her up here. So go ahead and wrap, uh, Brentster. Obviously, we'll have Joel and Spencer here back tomorrow. Thank you so much, Brent, for coming on. Enjoyed being with you there. We got to get you on the show more, man. I know Brent used to always be a news guy. He's so busy running the pro that he doesn't come on the show enough anymore. We got to get it's you on more, fault, man. It's not my fault. Tell the news to quiet down and then I can be <laughs> he, This is the brains behind your Benzinga Pro, though, guys. Here it is right here. You're looking at him. The guy that's a news interpreter, and he's getting in there and obviously breaking news for you guys as well. So it's the Brentster. Here he is. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for all the listeners out there. Great show. We had Beer Guy saying thanks, guys. Great show. Good show, Mr. Maps. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. You won't see me tomorrow, but you can always find me on Benzinga Pro. Come over and say hello. Uh, Dennis Dick, Brent Slava, Chris dyer Squeeze. signing off. Thanks, guys. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.